This is the Boss Mystic. You're listening to Revolutionary Mystic, a subversive spirituality podcast where witches of color are disrupting, dismantling, and decolonizing mainstream spirituality with intersectional feminism, ancestral magic, and revolutionary thought. One unapologetic, real talk conversation at a time. Featuring your host, international psychic medium, hoodoo root worker, and astrologer. This is Metzley Wolf, and you're listening to Revolutionary Mystic Podcast. Welcome back. It's been a minute. (laughs) Thank you for bearing with me while there was like significant break in between episodes and seasons, but we're back. And I thank you for being here. Today I have Bex Carlos joining me. If you're unfamiliar with Bex, Bex hosts an amazing podcast called Tutia Bruja and does a whole lot of other fantastic things that I'm going to go ahead and let Bex tell you about. Hi, Bex. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm really glad to have met you in my spiritual journey. I'm really into the idea of divine timing, you know? So a little background on me. So for people who are not familiar with myself, my name is Bex Carlos. She, her are my pronouns. I am a podcast editor and I primarily work with people of color sharing their stories. Storytelling is super important. The oral tradition has been something that has kept our stories alive. And I think that it's really unfortunate that there isn't books and stuff like that, but so many people have the oral traditions. So being able to document them, you know, I think it's the most accurate way to put them out into the world. So that's what I do. Tutia Bruja has been an amazing show. I've charted in, I just reached my 12th country, Mexico. Oh my God. And that's so hard because Mexicans are so critical of other Mexicans. So mucho amor. That's like an amazing honor and privilege. So like for me, I've made it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. No, but it's been a wild ride. You were a guest on the show and I, that was sort of uh, one of the first interactions I think we really had. Yeah. Yeah, no, totally. You know, that was super fun too. It was like cool because obviously like I had fun recording with you. And then I remember like afterwards being like, okay, Netsley, but we have to let Bex get off the phone because we've been on the phone for a while now. <laughs> you know, it's been a pleasure like getting to know you in between now and then and getting to see the ways in which you show up for our community as well. I think that's really rad that you are charting in Mexico. Congratulations. (laughs) That's fantastic. And I really, really liked what you said about storytelling being very important, especially in the way that you mentioned like audio, like, yes, we wish there were books, but you know, it's a hell of a lot more accessible than books sometimes is audio. And so, you know, I, it hadn't really dawned on me before that podcasting in this way is kind of revolutionary in and of itself. You know what I mean? Almost anybody can access it or it's just like more accessible, I imagine. I don't know. What do you think, Bex? I really do think that. I know that we've talked a lot about Clubhouse. I keep get, trying to suck you into Clubhouse. <laughs> I really do think that, you know, you should spend more time on there because it is a wonderful yeah. resource. That's sort of, I think, the latest step because we have podcasts, which at least on your own time you can listen to, which is amazing. But now you can show up into a group and it's like a cocktail party. Whoa. Even if you don't do the whole cocktail thing, you know, mocktails, you know, but you can get cozy and, and listen to really profound conversations and it's been really helpful 
helping all types of people of color get their word out there. And I know that I stumbled upon a whole conversation about like cannabis. Mm-hmm. And that was like really cool because, you know, the cannabis industry is, you know, very white owned. I think that's very obvious. Oh, yeah. Being able to hear these voices and understand like how they can support each other in all these different cities, it's creating community and network like all over the country and all over the world. And it's really cool. That is really cool. Yeah, I'm curious to see, you know, you're right. I would love to play around with it more. You're so busy though. (laughs) So busy. So I'm just (laughs) it's it's true and I also like hate that it's true and that it's also like an excuse to like I you know I would like to make more time for um stuff like that it's the same thing like with TikTok you know like the whole world has really gotten into TikTok and I think it's really cool but I just can't get myself to squeeze in any more being available across different platforms and I think there's some nuance too I don't know what you think about this, Bex, but like, I have like limited ability in terms of getting all dressed up to do something, you know, which is why I predominantly use images that aren't of myself on Instagram. So that would make, you know, TikTok a little bit harder. But then I realized the other day, like, oh, well, I don't have to use like images of me dressed up or whatever. There's videos of people doing things and all you see is like their hands and whatever. And that's really cool. So, you know, those platforms in that way. And then with Clubhouse, I think for me, I'd have to give it a feel out and see if it would work for me because I have my own neurodivergence. Like for me, (laughs) this is going to sound weird, Bex, but, you know, for a lot of folks like me, we tend to uh, really prefer things like text messages or you know, like, (laughs) we're totally that stereotype of like, don't ever call me, just text me. You know what I mean? There's a social piece. And I get that it's like social media. But it's kind of nice in some ways, I guess, as a person who's a little, you know, a little bit neurodivergent, and also disabled to be able to kind of like hide behind (laughs) pictures and things like that. But you know, it could be cool to listen in on conversations and things like that. I don't know. I didn't know you could do that, by the way. (laughs) I didn't know you could just simply like listen in. I totally get where you're coming from. I'm neurodivergent too. And I think that that's why sometimes the video component for me is too much. I think that's why I like podcasts and I like things like, uh, you know, Clubhouse is because you're listening or you're talking. But yeah, on Clubhouse, you don't have to necessarily speak. I've just invited you to speak because I think you're (laughs) you're so knowledgeable and profound. And I'm like, you know, if you want to chime in, but you also don't have to. It's cool to just listen. But I had such an amazing conversation about food magic with a a curandera and a friend of mine because she's a chef. And then the other individual was talking about energy work. And, you know, something people don't realize about their food is that if someone really angry is making your food and you eat that, you're probably not going to feel great. Like that's going to fuck your energy. And most people don't realize that, especially if you're eating from out, if you're already eating dead food, I think that energy is a lot easier to manipulate. Yep. And you know, most people don't think about this. And as someone who worked, you know, as a server and a bartender for a really long time, a lot of angry people are throwing your food. And I'm just like, that's just not the energy you want in your food. So you know, and I get it. Sometimes making your own food is hard. You know, I don't have the spoon sometimes too. I totally get it. But like trying to find food that, you know, is not dead food is, I think something a lot of people should aim for. Mind you, you know, there's all these things. I get it. Food deserts and whatnot. But 
dead food just makes you feel terrible. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it really does, you know? And I think that's like one of the things that like kind of sucks about having limited spoons is a lot of times like it's not by choice that we end up with that type of thing sometimes. And it's like, I really don't want to eat the dead food, <laughs> but like that's all I have the spoons for you know, for someone else that, like you said, like lives in a food desert, like, you know, that sucks for them too, to not have the choice, the accessibility. So when we do have that choice, like it's that much more important to exercise that and to remember, like you said, the value of food that's like living. And you know, what's interesting is when I teach the students in my hoodoo classes, I haven't taught a hoodoo class in a minute, but when I do, and we get to the part where we're talking about and the herbs and the, you know, all these different components, and then you see the, like, them connect the dots and the light turns on and they're like, holy crap. So wait, our food is hoodoo? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, yes, of course. And like, we even still speak about that in modern culture today. Any modern day chef will be able to tell you like what foods are aphrodisiacs. And you'll notice like the types of things that people tend to eat on dates and, you know, what ingredients come with those things. And like you said, food made with anger, you know, carries some significant power. And a lot of times we don't know where our food is being sourced from or who's making it. And, you know, there's just a variety of energetic variables that are more or less out of our control, but are really interesting to think about. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, once you start thinking into the very terrible complexities of everything, so many things are immoral, capitalism, all that. Yeah. I just try and think of the things that like more the person preparing it for me. So, cause I'm like, if I have to think about everything else, my brain will explode. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And like one of my favorite things to like remind folks of, because I feel that, you know, I've experienced that and I see it a lot on, especially like social media, the overwhelm of the information of all the complexities around all these power structures that are extremely oppressive and like how to navigate that. It's almost like, you know, walking through the laser room in the mission impossible like movie or whatever like you might be able to get through it without touching one of them damn lasers but it's not likely you know and so I try to just like remember and give myself compassion and others too like you can hold grace for yourself around the very very simple truth that there is no ethical consumption under capitalism and it's not your fault you know, so we can just do our best. But all in all, at the end of the day, there is no ethical consumption under capitalism. So it's like, no matter what you do, it's unethical. So you might as well just, you know, be mindful and give yourself grace and compassion because you're part of the oppressed aspect of it too, if, if that makes sense. For sure. I mean, like we're all exploited for our labor. Unless you're and I think a lot of people get to the point where they can charge what they're worth. But even still, it's like some people still have to negotiate that price down a little bit. You have to accept what people are willing to pay, too. And it's just ugh, that level in your career where you're just like, fuck it. These are my prices. It's such a beautiful privilege. And I hope <laughs> that everyone can get there in their life. I'm very blessed to be there. It's one of those things that like, and I think we talked about this, you know, on my podcast episode, like you have the occult resume for everything <laughs> you do and nobody can be like, Meh, and it's like, fuck off. <laughs> you know what I mean? You, you know, know? Like 
yeah you're <laughs> i love that i love that uh the occult resume uh that makes my capricorn moon very happy thank you for that vex um you know and you'd be surprised though there's two things that happen you know most of the time people completely and totally understand however i do still get sometimes a lot of folks that assume that our work is quote unquote, in the entertainment category of things for whatever reason. And I don't believe this. They view it as inherently like not as valuable. And so they are just like blown away at like what an astrology reading or psychic reading costs. And what they don't realize is like, this is a legit serious ass job. And it does take a lot to present it and present it well to the people you're working with you know like you said the occult resume but beyond that like you're holding space for somebody's like spirit and their soul and that is not necessarily the easiest job and it definitely comes with its own costs too and you know under capitalism it's so freaking weird too because it's like some of us can't work as often as others in various capacities. Why do we expect everyone to have lower rates or work around the same type of rates where as like, I'm like, I want the people who aren't able to work as much, you know, whether that's a mother that has a newborn baby and is only able to swing like a couple of readings a week, like whatever. I want them to be able to charge what they need to survive. Yeah. You know, and I feel like that's kind of like the bottom line because capitalism is so centered around quote unquote customer. But if we like flipped it and, you know, made it centered around us, maybe we would all be better off. Like, what do you need to live? You know, does that make sense? Yeah. If we could all just stop accepting this colonial shit. Yeah. It makes yeah. sense. <laughs> Something that's really, I guess, disillusioned me in the last year is that I've seen so many more people become radicalized and leftist. Yeah. Great, but they're not redistributing the funds. No. (laughs) And, you know, at the end of the day, like you can talk all pretty. And if you can talk about Russian politics, you are just a pretentious fuck. Like, put your where your mouth is. I don't fucking care. If you know about something, but you're not actively doing it, it doesn't really help anybody, does it? Like I could have just talked to a brick wall and gotten the same effect. Like yeah. wanted to sound smart. I think in the episode where uh, Alexis P. Morgan and I are having a conversation about leftists, <laughs> they said something to the effect of like, if you get a bunch of leftists in the room, like what will you accomplish? And it was like nothing but a bunch of, you know, arguing about theory. That's essentially like what I'm envisioning when when you mentioned what you just said. You can intellectualize the fuck out of everything that has become more mainstream and popularized. And thank goodness for that. You know, you can intellectualize that, but know that that is also a privilege and a power and creates yeah. like a power structure. And so it's not a bad thing, but it means that you have a responsibility to spend it wisely, you know? And so if you're just out there, I don't even know what that's called, but I guess like virtue signaling and like shaming others and like, you know what I mean? Then (laughs) that's no better than it was before. You're just using different language, you know? 
Yeah. I don't know. I feel like the only people that I see actually giving a fuck and redistributing the money are women, femme-presenting individuals, black and brown people, queer people, like, you know, the marginalized folk. Oh, hell yeah, dude. All of those. I always, I mean, and it's like a sad joke, but I joke that we're passing around the same fucking $10 all the goddamn time. Stop it. True. <laughs> <laughs> and you know like fucking god love us for doing that you know i know that it's always done with love and from a place of heart because we all know we've been there you know whether we're not there this week we know we might be there next week and so when we are able when we do have a few extra bucks you know a lot of us do pass it forward to one another and i i wish I wish I could teach, I'm trying <laughs> to teach, you know, our hueless comrades to do the same because, I mean, where are we going to get if it's us just passing around like the same 10 bucks, you know? Yeah. Well, first of all, I knew from the get-go that your Kickstarter was going to get funded. Yes, you did. I, I Like, I told you, I was like, I don't even know why you're worried. Like, why are you worried? Like, and I know that there's reason to worry, though, because you you didn't get all of the funding you wanted, but you yeah. got there by, like, thin of your teeth. That is just proof that a lot of our fellow comrades are just not putting their money where their mouth is because there is no need that that should have taken that long. 5,000% that, you know, it was a huge humbling and also like, I guess for lack of better words, like sobering realization, that whole experience. Because in theory, you know, I try to remember that like I have social capital in certain platforms, but And I was like, okay, cool. Well, this is one of those instances where I'm going to choose to spend it in a very responsible way. And I was like, cool, well, this should be great. It's a privilege. So, you know, it's going to benefit me and it's going to feel easier than anything else I ever do because it's a privilege. And that simply wasn't true. We had to bust our fucking asses to accomplish what we did. And I can't tell you, we got like the most support from, you know, the same folks that are always supportive in the revolutionary mystic community and also like strangers that were really interested when they discovered the work and all that stuff. But we sent out, like we did the whole nine, we sent out uh, press releases, we sent out so many letters to so many influencers that our community really loves and looks up to, myself included. And I will tell you, it is a very, very small number (laughs) of folks that actually stood in solidarity or like did something. And that was really, really disheartening. And I don't know why that is other. The only thing I've been able to like kind of come to the conclusion is, is like social media can be a very vapid place. I call it ego book. Are folks really there to be of service or are they of service through their ego? You know, like there's a very big difference and it just kind of like painted these people that I really like looked up to even folks that like I have on my list for like, I would love to have you on a podcast someday type of thing. And just like nothing, no response, no nothing. And I was just like blown away. I was like, oh my God. (laughs) And these people have, you know, like a fan base that's like 10, a hundred times larger than you and I, it was just like, wow. And you know, anytime we have that like stark contrast that those like moments of like conflict or disappointment, I just 
try to make the best of them as I can. I was like, okay, well, the only thing that feels good to do with this is to, you know, make note of this and remember that if I ever get to the point where they are with their followings that like, I don't ever want to fucking be this way. I don't ever want to fucking do that. And in fact, like, I want to make sure I set it up now to where I can hopefully start to, you know, give back to deck creators of color because, you know, (laughs) I know you know, Bex, but like, I am a light-skinned, brown-assumed person uh, who also happens to be um, Black and Indigenous. And so in theory, and I also have, like I said, social capital. So in theory, getting my deck funded should have been a certain level of ease, but the amount of challenges it ended up being was surprising to me. And I can only imagine how much harder it is for folks who don't have the social capital that I have, folks that, you know, are darker skinned, that present black, um, you know, like all that type of stuff. I just can't imagine. And I don't want that to uh, happen to anyone else. Like I want it to be easier for us because we need more of our creations. You know what I mean? Yeah. 100%. 100%. And I just, your work is so beautiful. Like I just, it's funny because I, I'm with you, you know, I think that there are so many amazing people in our community that show up and I was able to use my resources and I know other witches, you know, helped you with the resources they could. Yeah. I feel like the people who truly care about community and really want there to be more products and this and that and for everyone to have a seat at the table like everyone I believe was going to show up showed up I don't know I think that kind of comes down to a little bit of pick me you know if there's more then you're not special anymore you know what I mean yeah for some people that's what it is and uh you know I'm not a witch to be special I'm not a bruja to be special I'm here to fuck shit up (laughs) (laughs) yes and I am here to make sure that people are aware that colonialism is fucked up and has damaged a lot of us. And until we do that work, until we love ourselves enough to fucking connect with the bigger path that's going to help liberate everyone, we're all going to suffer. So like, oh, absolutely. you know what I mean? So like, why do that? <laughs> I like, I don't understand. Yeah. But I don't know. Some people are just about that aesthetic life and that's cool, I guess, but it's also just like gross. Yeah, it is. You know, in the end, like you just so eloquently mentioned, it was the folks that are very caring and are very present who do show up that did show up and that felt good. Yeah. I just, I just wanted more for them. Because I I also know what it's like to be the person that always shows up. Sometimes it's tiring, (laughs) you know, sometimes it's exhausting. And sometimes it's like you look at your other comrades and you're like, could you fucking lift a finger? Could you like give a fucking hand (laughs) and all that type of thing, you know? So there's that aspect of it. And then also it just really highlighted, like I said, like the need to figure out a way to leverage whatever resources the revolutionary mystic community has to elevate folks who are very likely going to have a more difficult time with their campaigns and such. So, you know, end goal, it would be really cool to (laughs) just give them a grant, like not even with the expectation of getting anything back, but being like, you know, here's a thousand dollars towards your campaign from our community to, you know, a darker skinned witch. 
it would be fucking amazing. I hope we get there someday. I think we will, because I will say this, the community, you know, within that group that wants to show up will show up and does continue to show up. When I had my shit go down where I like didn't know what the fuck I was going to do, I was very able to have all of the resources I needed to take care of it very quickly. I am so grateful to the group for that. And I think that other people have had that, you know, and I think that maybe long-term it would be cool to have some sort of fund and resources, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Like, and that's kind of the thing that I think the group is finally starting to like, as a majority, because I know a lot of folks do get it already, but us as like a whole collective is really starting to get that click of, oh, wait. (laughs) So when we elevate others, we're also elevating ourselves, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Like, do we all want to vibrate better and higher or what? Like the fuck? For real, for real. I don't know about you, Bex, but social media, I don't know what your relationship with social media is like, but you know, one of the things I noticed amongst the witch community, like early on, and one of the reasons why I'm like, so grateful for you is, you know, like you reached out to me and you've been incredibly friendly and, you know, just genuine and reciprocal with me. And I really appreciate that. Because like a lot of times in the witch community, and I think it just comes from capitalism and colonialism, but it feels very competitive. And, you know, sometimes even if folks interact with you or offer you spots on things and like whatever else, sometimes when they do it, it's not genuine and it's not to be reciprocal. It's like, you know, to serve their ego or whatever. And that feels icky. (laughs) But, you know, so being on social media and being a witch can be very tricky in that way. So I appreciate, thank you for being just a good human being. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, I'm not the best, but I try. I try because I think that's what we should all be doing is growing and evolving. And yeah, I'm just... I'm just trying to like elevate, like you said, like other people and elevate myself. I've been so fortunate. And like you said, there's so much competition. Like I talk about this in an episode of my podcast, like when I first started creating the show, because again, divine timing is something I'm really starting to realize is like, just be patient. The universe has a plan. But when I was putting everything together originally for Tutia Bruja, I just knew that this is what I wanted to do. I was like, this is going to be like, I I think this is my thing. I think like, Mm -hmm. I, I couldn't even explain it. You know, sometimes you just know. And I remember I kind of mentioned earlier, I reached out to a bunch of people that I really respect in the community that I thought were like, influential and interesting and profound and I very quickly realized a lot of them just don't want to deal with competition and I get it but I just think community over competition and yeah I just had a really nasty experience where like because I I created a I don't know I've been very fortunate because like I've had so many different jobs and so I know how to make a fucking media kit you know you know sometimes it's really beneficial to make that especially when someone doesn't know you you know to just be like hey this is what I'm about this and that whatever and I had sent one over to someone and like I typically have one that's for like you know, funders. And I have one that's like for creators. And I think I accidentally sent them the funding one. Whoops. But like the information, like, you know, was at the very end, but like all the other information was like, you know, this is who I am. The person took it as like, 
she's asking me for money, but that's not what like the message said. It was so like, Hey, you know, I'd really just like to work with you by the grace of God or the universe. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about the whole God thing, but that's neither here nor there anyway. Totes. <laughs> yeah. So my point is, is like, I did some magic-y stuff to just be like universe, show me who you know, does not have my best interest at heart because like you said, there's social media is so tricky. You never know. And I lit a candle, did a little magic. And literally two seconds after the person in question, like I'd sent them the media thing, like did a live. And so I just like logged on just because I was like, whatever. I wonder what she's saying. And she was like, without saying my name, dogging me on social media. Not even like a worthy bruja, like was saying all this nasty, like, she's like, you know how you just look at somebody's stuff and you're like, no, I want nothing to do with that. And I was like, and I was like, what the fuck? Like, I didn't say anything. I just like blocked them on social media. I was like, I don't want to deal with this. Like, if that's how you are, like, that's so fucked up. It's so Um, fucked up. And then it's funny because at the end, I got the final laugh because another very influential witch who I love, support Marcella Kroll if you don't. She's amazing. But she was going to be one of the first guests. So she posted about it. And all these people like followed me. And I think that that shows that like social media is such a weird thing because it's like, you know, it's amazing because it does give you this reach. But sometimes it's like until someone is deemed like worthy, you know, approves you like you're not approved. Absolutely. And ugh. I don't know if you got to tune in to the talk I did, which by the way, I hope was cohesive and made sense. <laughs> Jenna says it did, but I was like starting to feel like I was rambling. But anyways, but I mentioned that like anthropocentrism and that's where we center the individual or the human as opposed to like the whole bless witches like marcella Kroll, like you said they also have been super supportive like i think they found me through the campaign somehow hearing your experience of like having that witch like going on a live and dogging you like that you know i can't even fathom doing that unless it was something this person is very unsafe and I feel like I need to, you know, responsibly let you know that they have harmed, you know, this type of person or this community or whatever in some type of way. Like that is important. But like what you said, like, that's not even like fun petty. That's like, I don't know. <laughs> and I get it. People speak out of ego sometimes and they're threatened by people they think are not, especially in latin or latinx community like i think that there's a lot of are you enough because i feel like a lot of like well first of all i'm not super brown like i like i have to be (laughs) quite honest but i think that since i present very light i think people are kind of just like "Mm, is she even like for real like mexican it's like yeah and i get down with lcd sound system but like i also like machiac so can you be a little like less disrespectful I don't know. And I think that that's just people policing like what is enough in their eyes and what is acceptable. I mean, there's a lot of gatekeeping. And I think that that's important to talk about in this community, like, because that's how you make things better is you stop gatekeeping so much. Or at least gatekeep the right fucking shit. Like get upset when like people who are not black are doing hoodoo, like get mad about that. You know, like that's where people should be upset. Yeah, I I tell folks all the time. And I, it's like, a it's an interesting, like, kind of hot topic. And like, I try to remember to tell folks that like, I don't speak for the whole hoodoo community or the whole black community for that matter. 
And to know that like the Hoodoo community has been and always will be Black and Indigenous by nature of the way things went down during chattel slot, uh, slavery. So, you know, it's, I, I agree with you that like there are white folks out there peddling Hoodoo and they really ought not to be. Yeah. It is totally not for them to do and like historically from where I sit you know like we root workers have always served the community period because that was our mechanism for survival you know like I am going to prescribe you your spell work and I'm going to get compensated for that and that's how I put food in my mouth at the end of the day you know that aspect of hoodoo like still hasn't changed so like my clientele is very diverse you know I do have a lot of white clients that you know ask for spell work and things like that and we do tell them you know how to do it on their own if they want to do it on their own but it is never ever 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 in my eyes okay for them to you know like create their own Instagram and store that's a hoodoo store and there's so much of that and it's so bizarre to me um (laughs) I just like why so make sure you know like if you're interested in buying from a hoodoo practitioner which please do by the way because we are often like the most marginalized folks in the witch community a lot of times make sure the person that you are buying from or you are following following on Instagram, like I will go deep into your images to try and find a picture of your face if you don't have that readily available for me. Like, and if I don't find you talking about your culture anywhere or like your origins anywhere, then I'm doing a heckin' concern, you know? I'm gonna err on the safe side and assume that like, you know, maybe you're not somebody of, you know, the cultural background that should be doing this work. And I have to make that assumption to keep my community and our practices safe, you know? And also, I just think that, like, it's so unoriginal, I think, for me when white people steal people of color magic. Because I'm just like, you guys know that y'all had your own traditions. Like, especially, there's folk magic, you know what I mean? Like, because there were, up in the Appalachian, like, they had different traditions that they, you know, had to survive. Like, I've heard about so many different Appalachian hexes that I'm just like, y'all need to, like do a little research. Fuck. Y'all are lucky to be able to get on like ancestry and find out what's going on there. It's not so easy for everyone else. Totally. Yeah. I'm like, (laughs) you get to go on there and find out that you're, you know, from this specific region of Norway or whatever. And then like be able to find out like in books, you know, what those people did, what they believed, what their practices were, hell, what songs they sang, things like that. And for a lot of us, especially like Afro-Indigenous people, it's more or less kind of (laughs) either been passed down to you or it is you know lost in the wind because erasure is extremely effective that way yeah so you know just like if you have the opportunity to like do a little research a little google search on your traditions and customs do that not everyone has that luxury and also don't focus on like the two percent that's from the congo just don't I I just needed to say that just in yeah. case I'm not one person that's like but and I'm like no totally okay. focus on the majority. <laughs> I have a question for you because yes, I always feel like people when I tell them that that's maybe not something that they should do. Like hey, that's probably not you know because your spirit team and stuff is probably not gonna eh, just don't do it. But 
the counterpoint that people are always like, or we're like, mm, but what about past lives? And I'm like, okay, but like, yeah. don't focus on that. <laughs> like we're focusing on this one and the damage and hurt we're doing in this one, <laughs> you know, in my opinion, that's a form of spiritual bypassing to just be so focused on a past life that you don't acknowledge what you're doing and how you present and the privilege you hold in this one. <sighs> Girl. <laughs> You know, the thing with the past lives kills me because it's like the fucking Olympics that privileged people will do to avoid being accountable for anything ever. I'm like, wait, hold on. So you're going to tell me that you just came up in here inquiring about such and such because of your fucking past lives, but yet you still aren't accountable for this life or the, you know, impact that your ancestors had upon my people on, you know, whose land you live on today and you benefit from privileges, you know, from the power structures they created. But you want to talk to me about fucking past lives? I'm just like, get the fuck out of here is the most ridiculous thing. In my opinion, you know, like, it's just out of all the questions you could come to a witch of color and ask, that's what you came to, (laughs) you know, that's what you chose to fucking ask. The caucasity. (laughs) Yes, the caucasity. And, you know, I, I get like that curiosity. I do get that curiosity. It, you know, it is an interesting idea. Like, what could I have been like in another past life and things like that? But the privileges and lack of privileges you may or may not have had in another life bears no significance on the privileges you do or not have or do have in this one. You know, the only thing that really kind of comes with your spirit along the way is or I guess your spirit vessel is like epigenetics says that, you know, every cell in our body holds the DNA of our ancestors. And for some of us that comes with like great ancestral trauma and uh, intergenerational suffering and things like that. And, you know, that's something worth looking at because that explains for a lot of us, you know, some of our struggles (laughs) being here in the today and the now, but, you know, like, getting stuck on past lives and things like that. It's just not very beneficial. You know, it's also like, what if in my future life, five times from now, I was, or I'm going to be, uh, you know, a black person, like, no, shut up, (laughs) just stop. You know, like, how hard is it to stay in your fucking lane? Apparently really hard. (laughs) You know, it's hard. Hmm. <laughs> existing <laughs> apparently <laughs> i don't know we don't get to step away from that identity you know it's not something that we get to choose whether or not uh we bring up or things like that like <laughs> being black being queer being disabled like all that stuff whether we like it or not it's it's there and it impacts our lives in ways that we are aware of and in some ways that we don't even get to see because they're bigger than us and it's just like i don't know i start to get very i guess into my capricorn moon when folks ask about the past life stuff and then the inevitable next thing is like akashic records and things like that i get skeptical but you know for good reasons i suppose past lives are something i find interesting yeah i have been told in two different readings now that i was a gay man who died early Oh, and honestly, I mean, 
I could see it. I have a lot of solar energy and I feel like if I died really young, that could make sense to why I've been so aggressive and uh, I would say passionate, <laughs> maybe yeah. like, for lack of a better term. And because it was funny, I was actually just talking to someone about this. It's like, well, maybe my fear is that I have to do everything so quickly because I could die before I'm like, oh my God, that would make so much sense. That would explain everything. Yeah. Because I'm truly, I feel sometimes the most neurotic and anxious person I've ever Ugh. same z's same z's and you know what's wild is i bet because i see this in you but i also know that people say this to me but i'm like but bex you're so like calm and collected and like you know like you seem like a really down-to-earth grounded person but people say the same shit to me and i'm like (laughs) little do you know like the laps that my brain is going around in circles in my mind you know in every moment that's so sweet. No one would ever call me. <laughs> I'm like, they're like, oh, she's so neurotic. But it's okay. It's okay. I personally would rather have my brain going all the time than not at all. Like my partner is a Pisces and sometimes I'm really just like, what's going on in there? And he's like, not a whole lot. We're just chilling. I'm like, that must be nice. <laughs> Seriously. Like, that must be nice. But I'm also just like, I don't know, that would be so, I can't even like picture that. Like, it's just like crickets in there sometimes. Like, what? Yeah, I can't imagine it either. I wonder, do you have like a lot of fire placements? Yeah, yeah. We. I think we've talked about it a little bit. It's like half fire. And then there's a lot of, I have so much Capricorn in there too. And I'm like, but poor K. Yeah, that's because you're here to, like you said, fuck shit up. That's why. Yeah. Did you ever watch John Leguizamo's Latin history for morons? No, but I need to. I love John Leguizamo. I'm going to be totally gay here. I love John Leguizamo in uh, To Wong Fu, Thanks for Everything, Love Julie Newmar. Ah! (laughs) (laughs) They were brilliant as Miss Chichi Rodriguez. But I love their comedy and I've heard that that is really awesome and powerful. It's been a minute since I've felt like I had the capacity for stand-up comedy only in the sense that, and I wonder what you think about this, but that like even some of my favorite, favorite comics, which by the way, are basically all people of color, can say some really problematic shit on their comedy stage and it just... It's super disheartening. And so like the last like year or two, I'm like, that's the last thing I need right now. But you know, if John Leguizamo is able to do that, which I believe he could, without hurting somebody else in the community, um, that would be amazing. And I'd be super excited to watch it. So tell me, tell me, tell me. (laughs) So I will double check and watch it again to make sure if there's nothing that could be bothersome to queer folk. But, but I think that like, for the most part, the whole premise is he is telling his kid about like the history of, you know, being Latin and sort of the history of that because he's like, oh my God, my son is learning his history from Mel Gibson because he's talking about, uh, oh fuck, what is that? Apocalypto? Yes, yes. And I was just like, oh God, that's such a horrendous thought. So yeah. the whole thing is him basically explaining like different things throughout history so that he can figure out a hero like to write about for his history class. And it's interesting. I mean, I just really love 
John Leguizamo. Let me just yeah. be honest. I also love him. And I was just thinking earlier about Romeo and Juliet. <gasps> That's right. Yes, his gear, the like Maria de Guadalupe. Like, yes. Oh, mm, yes. Chef's kiss, like just showing the best of like the Venice like beach style at the time. And um, no, that film is great. Also, but like thinking about it, I was just like, isn't it a little fucked up that Mercutio, who was, first of all, was a great character, but is a black man who was like one of the only black characters and gets killed off. I'm like, mm, but why do? A thousand percent. (laughs) But anyway, that was something I put together in my smoke sesh earlier. Like I was, cause you know, I feel like I always go into the intention of give me thoughts that will help break (laughs) down the system. One time I had a really great uh, smoke sesh with my dad. We just got like really blazed. And I told him about how the U.S. government just really had Fred Hampton fucked up. A point of reference when we, earlier when I was talking about like leftist idols, if he's not your favorite, then don't talk to me. Yeah. Yes. 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 <laughs> Fred Hampton, write it down. <laughs> write it down. I just love, and it's funny because there's that movie that came out. Uh, I think it's like Judah, Judah and the Lion maybe. And I could be wrong on that title, but I'm like, I don't know if I want to see it because it's from the point of the informant. Yep. And I'm like, that's sort of the thing that I'm like, I feel like they're kind of gloss, going to gloss over the legacy and I'm not sure I want to see it. But I've also heard good things. So Me too. Me too. <laughs> and like, I guess, I mean, it's slightly different for me as a Black person, like, last year especially has left me like so fucking raw and tender like right now the George Floyd case is happening and I I cannot I, I can't I can't tune into it like there's news articles popping up in my feed and I just like every single time it activates some significant trauma and you know the justice system is like super wild and abusive and so like anybody that has a good feel for what the justice system does for black folks knows that this probably isn't going to pan out well so you know there's a lot of content that I really want to watch there's like a whole list of shit I want to watch like you said the Judah thing there was like the black Klansman. I'm trying to think there's some other good shit too that came out there's oh a show on Netflix Netflix right now that presents Black fatherhood in a way that TV and movies have never done, like in a good light, in a, you know, real light. There's all these kinds of things, but it sucks (laughs) because like as much as like we crave our content, we also know that it comes with a lot of the suffering that we also experience in like our very real lives too and I think that like a lot of white folks don't realize like y'all just get to watch tv and relax you know like when I want to connect with parts of my culture or you know whatever like it comes with the um reluctancy of like am I going to be traumatized and and this goes for like queer stuff too if I'm totally honest there is let's see a documentary that Laverne Cox and like oh, a bunch disclosure? of other yes yes that's so the one good. I just watched it yeah it's so, so good. good if you haven't watched disclosure and I mean it like especially if you are a cisgendered person 
so you can like better understand folks that aren't cisgendered and like uh, just come on be a good comrade and it's so good just watch Disclosure but I will be totally honest that I was really nervous about watching it because so much queer content is like queer trauma porn I grew up with Boys Don't Cry you know right right (laughs) so I'm like okay like and even like um and I love Pose like Pose is like one of my favorite shows of all time but even Pose like my dear dear friend Shai they let me know that you know there's an episode it's episode this in season this something very traumatic happens just so you know in case you want to skip that episode and I did I can't take any voluntary trauma (laughs) i get it i get it that episode is very powerful but i can understand obviously how that would be difficult to watch i'm radicalizing my father like that's my whole mission (laughs) right now and so we actually watched pose together and he loved it like i told him that season three is only going to have like seven episodes oh yeah and he was like bummed honestly just like seeing my dad take all this in and I feel like really connect with this because I don't my father has met a few of my friends who are trans and I feel like he obviously doesn't totally understand you know but he he really tries to I think my parents are very empathetic and I think that that is something that I hope you know my Latin and Latinx like listeners out there are doing the efforts to do because these people are not going to change unless we make the efforts and it's real easy to like cut people out I know but like sometimes you do have to put in the work I get it sometimes family members are toxic and you have to at the end of the day do what's best for your mental health but if you are in a place where you can help make these changes and correct your family, like they really do make these beautiful changes in the world. And just like watching him connect with this story is just amazing. Cause it's such a good show, but it's such a good show. Like, and I think that that's, I will say this, it's Ryan Murphy's redeeming quality after the Ava storyline in fucking Nip Talk. Cause I'd forgotten about that. You know, I think that that is something that we forget about in the, the hierarchy of queer is that sometimes like cis queer people, they forget about trans, non-binary, you know, yeah. all these different people who do not just fit what has been like the representation so far and so you know we all have work to do I hope we're all working on it our community is beautiful we're beautiful so let's just work to make it better yeah absolutely you said something really key too that I don't know I don't know if anyone else would see it this way but I see it this way that like a lot of folks say like you know this this person has a hard time understanding well it's like but we can get past that too we can you don't have to understand (laughs) like because you know I identify as a trans person as a non-binary two-spirit person but like I don't understand you know other trans folks experiences because I don't know what it's like to you know have a different body and you know like all that there's different things that I don't experience but it's about like just accepting it and accepting that that person has a very different experience than I do. Um, And there's simply things that we aren't going to understand about one another. I won't understand what it's like to be wealthy and have hella white privilege. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) I I will never get that. And, you know, white comrades will never know what it's like to exist being black in our world. It's just not, you can try to empathize was the key word you said. That's the best we can do is, empathize and accept yeah 
you know, like look at your fellow human being as like somebody who has inherent value, like point blank period. Yeah. But yeah, just, you have to connect with your fellow humans and just be like, whatever they're dealing with, that's their own thing. I should just treat them well. And we all do that and we shall strive to do that. Yeah. We don't treat them nice. Yeah. Yes. It's just so odd. Like, I feel like it always comes back to the same few different messages of like, just, you know, like treat each other like human beings, damn it. (laughs) You know, like that's all, that's all we need to do. That's all anybody's asking of anybody. And it's so wild, but really cool to live in a time where Pose exists. And, you know, I wish it existed much earlier in my life or even pre my life, but I'm glad it's here. And I'm glad it's here for the young queers out there that are getting to grow up with it. It's just fantastic TV. That's really cool. You got to watch that with your pops. Yeah. I was really like happy that he enjoyed it. And like, oh, look at you. Ah, The machismo is melting away. And that's the important part. (laughs) Hell yeah. And you know, what's so weird too, is I think that cis and like straight people feel like, like it's not for them sometimes or like maybe they won't enjoy it because it's not written for them i'm like dude queer people watch fucking straight tv all goddamn day (laughs) you know what i mean i'm like and we enjoy it like what what makes you think you're not going to enjoy our stories what makes you think oh it's because a lot of folks can't imagine that they're going to relate to us well guess what like we all have human experiences you know there are so many folks that have very different gender expressions and identities on that show that like I related to and it and it's it feels good to the spirit you know to like be able to connect with one another especially when we're different yeah and I think that that's just such an important thing to realize is that like there is no right way to be Mm -hmm. so just you know survive and thrive in your unique experience hell yeah and you know like be excellent to one another. <laughs> yeah, always be excellent. <laughs> oh my goodness. So Bex, can you tell me like what the future of Tutia Bruja is? Like, do you have, are you working on a season right now? Are what's in the works? Season of four is going to be all about cannabis beyond just like, cause I think cannabis has such a terrible history, not even just here in the States, like the racist history of it and like the drug war and all of that. But I think that just the branding of it, you know, and it's like all the people who use it are like stoners who don't do anything. It's like most of the people I know who smoke cannabis are some of the most creative, influential, profound people I've ever met. Um, I know that's not everyone's experience, but I've been very fortunate. And I just feel like if it's not hurting anybody and we're able to incorporate it in our magic practices then let us be so that's what this season's going to be is just going to be like all these different discussions about how to incorporate cannabis i know in the group i've been sharing some of the recipes i've been making i made an intelligent honey (laughs) that my mom is someone who is really reluctant like she she's tried it a few times it just wasn't for her but this honey because I could tell her exactly what the percentage was how much like just everything I put like what is it a THC8 which is like a delta 8 which is as close you can get to cannabis Mm -hmm. without actually being cannabis and I figured that the properties of that would cancel out with the other one 
because she's not a big, I want my thoughts racing person because they already do. So I'm like, you know, for her, when she, when she takes in cannabis and it makes that happen, it makes her really scared. And I get that. So I made this honey and it's been really great for her pain because it is a medicine, you know, it has medicinal properties and it's so valuable. And I'm just, yeah, I'm so excited. I got that Levo too. And that's been like a wonderful mechanism for all the different like things. So definitely if you don't listen to the show, definitely subscribe. I'm very chaos magic in like everything that I do. (gasps) Yes. That's why we get along with each other so well. Well, also you're, you're an Aries and I'm a Leo. So it's like, it's great until it's not great. Yes. (laughs) Yes. That's what it is. That's really, really cool. I'm looking forward to listening to you and all the other can of witches you're going to have on your show. I used to work in the industry and of course I live in California. So cannabis culture. And I also live in the Emerald Triangle too. Yeah. Like the cannabis cup, the high times cannabis cup actually happens a block away from my house. (laughs) And um, so, you know, it's very much so a part of like my neighborhood and where I live and my life and things like that. So that's really fucking cool. And I'm glad that you and a lot of other folks are out there destigmatizing medicine. I'm like, for fuck's sake, people, it's a fucking plant. Also, like, we always need to be a suspect about stereotypes because maybe all stereotypes come from white supremacy and like have the function of serving white supremacy. You know, the things that people say about cannabis are very much in line with the same things they say about the people they connect with cannabis, you know? Yeah. So I'm really excited to hear that. And like (laughs) your little machine thing is so cool. I'm like, what? It makes the cannabis honey? That's fucking rad. You can put, well, I wouldn't recommend alcohol, but you can put honey in there. You can put oil in there. You can put butter in there. You can put MCT oil, which I know is like a coconut oil because I've read that that's the best one if you want to do a tincture. Yeah. So it's just been very interesting. I'm just experimenting. I'm just seeing what works. I think like my, cause my biggest thing is like, I just want to make things that taste good. I have a background. I used to work in all these different pastry shops, like that were featured in like Buzzfeed and all these other things. So like things tasting good is important to me. And my mom has like, you know, she had her gallbladder removed, so she can't sometimes like things bother her. So I was like, it cannot taste like cannabis. So being able to just play around with things and, you know, infuse it with also like magical properties of plants. Yeah. It's been so amazing. It's been such a, such a fun project. Yeah. And it's such important, like plant magic too. I'm I'm just really sorry. I'm really excited about you doing this and I'm like really looking forward to, you know, seeing where this takes you and also like all the amazing things that you're going to create because there's not a whole lot of, like there's a ton of folks out there making like better and better and better and better like products, like craft an artisan cannabis is totally available in existence, at least where I live. But to bring that witchy intentionality to it, like, I don't know of any brands that I can think of or, you know, any makers besides like, you know, just like random friends that I know that like do that with their own tea in the morning or whatever. Um, And we need that, you know, it's, it's a way to re-indigenize the medicine, which I'm all for. In my research, I've found two places. I think there's one called Mary Jane's. 
I think. And I think that one's in Austin. It's women of color slash queer owned. Because <gasps> um, all of the shops that I'm going to be talking about are people of color or queer people of color. Um, because, the, you know, people of color as a whole only make up 19% of the cannabis industry. And that's fucking crazy to me. I mean, it's not yeah. because, you know, the red tape and the bureaucracies and the, 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 I get it. But also... It's, it is wild to me because there's so many different customs and traditions that incorporate cannabis. And I'm just like, how are people not doing this? But there's that one. And then the other one is bread and butter. And I can't mm. fucking remember where that one is. I want to say it's like New Jersey or like somewhere on the East Coast. I will find out and send you the links. But those are the two that I've seen that have like witchy aspects of it, either incorporated in their, you know, um, dispensary slash botanica or they sell like occult items. And I'm like, fuck yes. This Hell is yeah. like the, the spaces you need to fucking exist in. Like, yes, I love it. So I love it. Totally out here figuring out the particular magic that they work in hell yeah no that that's totally excellent i i (laughs) i hope you don't mind bex but i have imaginary plans that you're gonna come visit me in california and like i don't know i'm like maybe we could go to the high times thing or maybe we could go to the cannabis cup or hell maybe we can sit in my backyard and take all the edibles and like you know talk about the medicine and like you know show folks all the things you do with it um I would love that if you'd be willing to. Uh, yeah, we're going to speak it into the universe and it's going to happen. This is what I love about my job. I love getting to connect with folks like you and do what we do. And I love our listeners. And this is what I love. And I I know I said my job, but it's really like if you watch, <laughs> if you watch any of my story, this is actually my life. Um, yeah. It's, you know, this is, this is it. This is what I love. And this is why I wake up and do it every day for moments like these and medicine like this. And, you know, it makes all the other crap you have to deal with as like a social media witch living in the modern age. Uh, it makes it worth it. You know, like I wouldn't have been able to meet you without it. And, um, you know, on that note, Bex, I just really want to thank you for joining me here on the show today. And I would love if you could share with folks how they can connect with you and your work and the best ways to like support you yeah that's great well thank you so much for having me on the show and just remember even though life is difficult sometimes and it feels like the wrong people get the attention remember we will persevere because remember that story I was telling you about earlier where that person was dogging me on social media yes I got the last laugh because that bitch ended up calling me to be on my show so anyway (laughs) to say just keep shining your brightest you're gonna figure it out if you want to listen to the show you can listen to Tutia Bruja wherever you find podcasts check out my website bexbcaston.com there is a Tutia Bruja tab and it gives you all the different places you can listen it's super easy while you're on my website if you would like to work together I'm a podcast editor in addition to um, being a host and I'm always looking for new clients definitely reach out i also do tarot readings yay Um, yeah i know i'm I'm, i don't feel like i'm as gifted as you but i always (gasps) feel like i i always find really really great things um in every session and even the skeptics i always feel like like, leave a little impressed so that always makes me happy um (laughs) but yeah you can schedule a session if you'd like um if you just want to tip me or the show on venmo and cash app the little like appropriate sign for that and it's bex b casting so it's b-e-x 
B-E-C-A-S-T-I-N-G. I'm also Bexby Casting on PayPal. Yeah. And I am always looking to collaborate. If you are someone who works in the cannabis industry, please reach out. And even if cannabis is not your jam, but you would like to collaborate in the future, please reach out. Always looking to build our witchy community and make it better. But thank you again for having me on the show. This was so much fun. I feel like we are just yabbing witchy shit and I love it. Yeah, likewise. I'm like, I feel like I got to hang out with somebody today. This is fabulous. (laughs) (laughs) Look at us. We're being awesome out here. Yeah. Well, you know, we kick ass. Witches of color, we rule, you know? (laughs) I got so much love for us and I got so much love for other witches that got love for us and are ready to, you know, uplift each other. And so I really appreciate you in that way. Bex, do you happen to remember which episode they can find the one where I join you on your show? I know it's the very first first season so it's episode two actually look at that occult resume is the title um that's awesome thank you for sharing that because I I had a feeling I was like I'm gonna get asked which episode this is and I'm actually going to add it should be in my blog if it isn't already I'll have myself or Jenna add it to my blog so you'll be able to connect with that episode there and see all of Bex's links and things like that and you'll also be able to see all of Bex's links that they just mentioned on the page for this episode so you know sure yeah right down if you can that'd be fabulous but if you're in your car doing whatever walking your dog uh that's okay you can always go on the revolutionary mystic blog and find where to connect with all these brilliant witches out there folks that may or may not even consider themselves witches but are absolutely creating revolutionary change and that's what this is all about so thank you Bex for joining me and thank you everybody for tuning in to season two I really look forward to bringing more conversations and more brilliant minds to the show for you to share all right everyone have a good rest of your day and I'll see you later bye bye (laughs) thanks for tuning in to another episode of the revolutionary mystic podcast if you enjoyed this show please consider supporting it on patreon by visiting patreon.com slash revolutionary mystic. All of our guests are paid as part of a movement to hashtag actually support witches of color by creating financial equity. You can also check out the online Hoodoo Botanica, book psychic readings, take online classes, apply for the scholarship program for witches of color, join the free Facebook group, and watch Witch Tips on my YouTube channel by visiting revolutionarymystic.com.